Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Thursday, June 10th, 2021. This is Shannon, and tonight I'm here with Amber and Melissa, and we are doing an episode in honor of Pride Month. So lots of recommendations for you today for your LBGTQ reading pleasure. I'm going to give us the usual housekeeping information. Melissa will start us off, followed by Amber, and I will finish the round. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. My first book is called Zami, Z-A-M-I, a new spelling of my name by... Audrey Lord and Audrey is spelled A-U-D-R-E and L-O-R-D-E is the way they spell it. Um, it is her autobiography. Audrey Lord was a poet and black feminist. Um, this book talks about her life from being an immigrant from an island called Kariaku. Um, I have to look that up to figure out where that is, but it's in the Caribbean with her mother, dad, and mom, dad, and three other sisters. And they immigrated to Harlem where she grew up. And it tells the stories of her high school life and her middle school life. And just some of the things she experiences like getting her first period or finding out that she's attractive to women. Um, Audre Lorde was bisexual. Not too many people knew that. And she had men lovers and women lovers. And she describes an abortion. She had an illegal abortion. And she, in great detail, that just kind of creeped me out <laughs> oh. I don't think I don't know if I could have done that um and she kept the instrument that had helped her perform the abortion so oh. it was a little graphic um she cheated on her job making radioactive um components for weapons and things so this later in life caused her to have um, breast cancer. Oh. So yeah, um, one thing that struck me is at the end of the book, um, she says the folklore of the island where she was born is that if you're a lesbian, your mother may have been, and that oh. it comes from the mother. And her mother never acknowledges it, but she said, how's your roommate? <clears throat> Later oh. on, she, uh, after she wrote other things like Sister Outsider, The Black Unicorn, which is a collection of her poems, she uh, married a man and had two children. And they divorced and she spent the rest of her life with a woman as her partner and she died of cancer in the 80s it doesn't really say it just ends with 
her having that conversation with her mother. So uh, that's Zombie, a new spelling of my name by Audrey Lord. Well, I am a lesbian and I don't think I got it from my mother. <laughs> I'm bisexual. I don't think I got it from my mother either. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's not how it, it worked in my in my uh case (laughs) okay so my first book of the evening is detransition baby by tori peters and how to describe this book um so this book on the surface is about reese ames and katrina reese Uh, is a transgender woman. So she has transitioned to a woman. Ames has, uh, he transitioned to a woman, but then detransitioned back to a man. And Katrina is a cis woman. And Katrina gets pregnant by Ames at the beginning of the book. That's not a spoiler. And it's basically... um, it goes through the uh, Katrina's pregnancy and, you know, um, Reese has always wanted a baby, but obviously can't have one. Ames, you know, was not sure if he wanted a baby or not. And Katrina really didn't want a baby at the beginning of the book. And it was about how they kind of, you know, come together to form this very unconventional family unit. Uh, in order to raise this baby, but it talks a lot about, you know, gender, what is gender, what isn't gender. It talks a lot about transition, what isn't transition, uh, Mm -hmm. what it looks like, you know, the the advantages, disadvantages. Um, And the thing that I really appreciated about this book was there was no right or wrong answer. Um, And, you know, at the end, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give spoilers, but if you do not like, if you like books with very tidy endings, you don't want to read this book Um, because the ending just kind of came up on me. And I was like, Oh, that's how it ended. It's over. Um, Yeah, it's over. Okay. Uh, And it's not the ending that you really expect. Um, And it was just, it was a very, you know, I'm, I'm actually not sure that I like the book in a lot of ways because I do like really tidy endings. You know, I'm not necessarily a happy ending or an unhappy ending, but a tidy ending. And this kind of ended very abruptly. Um, but if you want like a really good look at gender transition, what it means to be a family, you know, all that good stuff, I would definitely recommend checking out The Transition Baby by Tori Peters. This was nominated for a women's prize. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And apparently a bunch of people were very angry about this um, because Tori Peters is a trans woman. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, people who are purists Mm -hmm. have to say Mm -hmm. that if you're a trans woman, you're not really a woman. Right. And so you shouldn't be eligible for the women's prize. Mm And I don't think anything ever like came of that. I did not hear that they um, like disqualified the book, which I'm, I'm very glad um, if, if they didn't. Um, but it was, it was an interesting little uh, uproar that people thought they needed to have. Hmm. Of course. People, of course. Yes. They have a lot. Okay. So my first book today is a hug in the form of a book. It is Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake by Alexis Hall. And this was the most delightful thing I've read in a little while. It is on its surface, like very light and frothy. It is the story of Rosaline Palmer, of course. And Rosaline Palmer is a single mom. She's bisexual. She's raising her young daughter on her own with the help of her parents. And her parents 
have always had these really big dreams for Rosalie. Um, her parents are both doctors, and they always thought that Rosaline would follow in their footsteps and become a doctor as well. But because she was very young when she got pregnant, and her life just kind of took a different turn, and she's pretty much okay with that. But there are times when things get, get hard, kind of dark and, and murky for Rosaline, and she starts to wonder, like, is she really the best mother that she could be? Is she really doing the things in her life that she you know, should be doing? So she decides that she is going to enter this reality baking show. And I am really in love with books set around reality TV these days. Like there are so many good ones out there. And this is another one that is just, just so fantastic. So she enters this baking show and right away she kind of begins to get involved in the lives of of her fellow contestants. And there's this one guy that she feels really attracted to and he seems to really like her. But if you're the reader, you kind of know that there's something a little bit off about him. And then there's another guy who just really wants to be her friend. He doesn't seem like he has any you know, major like motives. He's not looking for a date. Um, and they, they form a friendship. So as the book goes on, Rosaline is, of course, improving in her, her baking abilities, but also getting to know really who she is as, as a mother, as a bisexual adult woman in the world who doesn't necessarily have to make excuses for who she is, um, who she's been with, who she hasn't. And she also really comes into her own power and is eventually able to, you know, say to her parents that their dreams for her have never been her dreams for herself. Um, this is a romance in a way, but even more than that, it is this one woman's exploration of herself, her sexuality, just her overall identity. And it's all wrapped up in this lovely, fluffy little book about baking and all of the ways in which baking kind of brings people together. Um, you know, the way that we, we make tasty food for the people that we love. And it was just the perfect vehicle for this story. It feels just so so effortless like you read it and then kind of like what amber was saying it's over but it's not it's not that like you you aren't happy with the ending it's just that you're really sad that there's no more of this book to be told this mm -hmm. is my first alexis hall novel i really want to read some of his others um i've heard great things about glitterland about boyfriend material um, so I'm really excited to read more of his work. But this is Alexis. No, I'm sorry. This is Rosaline Palmer Takes the Cake by Alexis Hall. And apparently there is a follow-up that is due out in 2022. And this makes me insanely happy. Oh, yeah. I got to go get this one. I like it. Oh, please do. It's I so good. I love this. I call them fluffy reads. <laughs> When we're talking about food and baking. And yes. <laughs> so. I don't like books like that because they make me want cake. Yeah. There's lots of cake in this book. Yeah. As well. no. So since I have not gotten that far in Georgia Beers's flavor, the flavor of the month, mm -hmm. I found the book that I have read and it's called 96 hours by georgia beers and beers is b-e-e-r-s and it tells the story of erica who is this businesswoman, and she just could not land this deal that she's trying to negotiate in london so she it was a disaster so she's just ready to get back to new york city so she boards the plane where she meets Abby. Abby is this hippie chick, kind of free-spirited and 
let's just do it and woohoo you know she's all over the place and she doesn't quite like Abby and then their flight gets diverted because of 9-11 so the rest of the book talks about the 96 hours that they spend together and all of the roller coaster of emotions that they experience and what is going to happen when they get home. So it is 96 Hours by Georgia Bierce. Now this, I will have to check out. Yeah, this sounds really good. <laughs> mm-hmm. My second book is called Becoming Eve, My Journey from Ultra-Orthodox Rabbi to Transgender Woman, and it's by Abby Stein. Um, So this is an autobiography, and it is what the title says it is. Um, So Abby was raised as an uh, ultra-Orthodox Jewish man. And, you know, it goes through her life as a man. And I don't even remember what his name was. Um, And just, you know, talking about how in this ultra-Orthodox sect, they didn't, you know, like the men and women wore obviously very different clothes. And, you know, they went to schools where they did not speak English. Um, And she always knew that there was something wrong with her. Um, You know, she would want to wear like her mother's clothing and her play with her sister's toys. And in ultra Orthodox uh, Jewish life, the gender, the genders were very specific. It was very, you know, boys did this, girls do this. And she always wanted to do like what her sisters were doing, not what her brothers were doing. And just, really the mental anguish that this caused for her and she didn't even know that there was something called transgender until you know she was older with kids and you know had become a rabbi and stuff like that and just really the struggle that she had you know in figuring out number one that what she was feeling was not a sin and not you know something from the devil or something like that but just you know, being a, a transgender person. And, you know, then too, she had to deal with the fact that like none of her family would talk to her anymore because her being transgender was just totally not something that, you know, her family could really deal with. And so just that journey that she had to take, and it was just really eye-opening and, you know, just a very, you know, interesting and needed perspective on, you know, being transgender and what that means coming from such an orthodox, you know, gender specific background. Um, And and again, that book is Becoming Eve, My Journey from Ultra Orthodox Rabbi to Transgender Woman by Abby Stein. Wow. And it's interesting because we don't hear a lot about like the the Jewish beliefs about yeah. you know same sex relationships and transgender people, um, so this sounds like a very very good exploration of that. Yeah, it really was, and it was you know really interesting just to see you know because it's so gender like the genders are so divided that yes. you know like how she dealt with that you know afterwards. So my second book tonight is one of my very favorites from last year. And this is the debut novel by author Leah Johnson. This is You Should See Me in a Crown. Her second novel um, is coming out in July, and I'm super excited about it. But this is the story of Liz Lighty and all of her life, Liz has just sort of felt like she's she's too much like too black too poor too shy too smart like just Mm -hmm. too everything and she just she wants a way out of her ultra conservative indiana town 
And so she has this plan. She's going to graduate from high school. She's going to get a good scholarship to a specific school. She's going to play music in their orchestra. And eventually she's going to go to medical school. So all of these things are just kind of like set in her mind. This is what's going to happen. But when her financial aid falls through, she realizes that all of this is now in jeopardy because her grandparents who have raised her and her brother are not able to financially like help her go to this really exclusive college that she's always you know, had her heart set on attending. And so now she has to decide what she's going to do. Is she willing to sort of sacrifice this dream of hers or is there something she can do to make it a reality? And then she remembers that there is this quirk about the town where she lives. And it is that her town is absolutely 100% obsessed with prom. Like nothing, nothing is as yes. important as prom. <laughs> so like, if you think about how excited, like think about a Texas high school and how excited a lot of those people get for like the football games. Think about a New Jersey with the prom. <laughs> ah, so prom and it's like this huge over the top, like week long spectacle that happens every year surrounding prom. And the only redeeming thing about any of this for Liz is that if you get to be prom queen or king, you get a scholarship. And she desperately, desperately needs the scholarship. Whoa. So she's shy. She's, she's not a person who wants to be in the spotlight at all. But she knows that this is the one chance that she has. And so she decides that she is going to run for prom queen and hopefully win. And this is kind of terrible. Like it, it makes her go out of her comfort zone and she's forced to kind of deal with all of the, the racism of her town in both large and small ways. And she, she struggles with this. But there is a new girl in school who goes by Mac. And together, Mac and Liz sort of take the prom court by storm as they kind of fall in love right in the public eye. And it's never something that Liz intended. Um, It's not really what she wants to have happen. And yet it does. And it's just such a lovely lovely look at like being out and proud in high school when there are so many things that you you feel like are are wrong about yourself but still being able to find that pride in in who you are and who you've become um it is there's such a wonderful relationship between Liz and her younger brother Um, It's not a big part of the novel, but when you see the two of them on the page together, it's just really, really nice. I really enjoyed watching Liz kind of navigate that role of big sister. Um, She and Mac are adorable together. This is just everything that I would have wanted to read as a teen who wasn't really sure if the world could, could deal with my with my sexuality. So this is, you should see me in a crown and it's by Leah Johnson. If you haven't read it, I highly recommend it. Yeah. I can't wait for July. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge young adult fan, but I would read that. I read it. That's why I was laughing about the, and I'm like, Oh, I remember my own prom. Yes. Prom. What a slight disaster. (laughs) (laughs) This is just like one of those books that got a ton of buzz last year. And I'm always a little bit leery of books that get Mm. as much buzz as this did. Mm -hmm. Because I wonder like, what if, Mm -hmm. you know, what if I don't like it? Like if it's talked up too much and then I always feel a little bad when my own excitement like doesn't match sort of the the buzz. Um, But this one really deserves everything I've heard people say about it. My last book is a, is a series and I um someone gave it to me years ago so I actually have a braille copy 
Oh, wow. I think they were railing at themselves for someone else. Oh. Um, but it's it's uh, the first book in the Kate Delafield mystery series. And the first book is called Amateur City. And that's book number one. It's by Catherine Forrest. Now, it tells the story of Kate Delafield, who is a LAPD, gosh, if I could talk today, um, detective. And she's still grieving the loss of her lover, who died in a very violent and painful way. But she's also keeping the secret that she's a lesbian. So she meets this woman, Ellen, because she comes to work at her furniture company and finds that her boss, who's been a asshole <laughs> and obnoxious to her, dead. So Aww. they think she's done it. So Kate has to prove that this isn't true and that, and also to keep her secret because of her. Uh, the in the attorney knows and she has to investigate the co-workers of Ellen because they kind of have figured out that Ellen is a lesbian and they think she killed him because he made a move on her so oh. Kate is lost into this whole mess trying to also keep her own personal life separate and secret and that is Amateur City by Catherine Forrest. Forrest is F-O-R-R-E-S-T. And it's the first book. And there's like 10 or 12 more in the series. Read a couple find. of these. Yeah. And well, this was one. And then I read a couple others. Okay, so my third book for the evening is The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. So I can't tell a lot about this book. Um, and it's because it's very complicated, but it's also very, very good. So it is um, about two slaves, Isaiah and Samuel, and they are partners um, on a slave plantation you know, obviously in like the, I think it's like the early 1800s, but it doesn't really say. Um, and it's just about their relationship and how, you know, it kind of develops in, you know, that time and that place and obviously how difficult that is. But to make things complicated, an older Black man is trying to, you know, gain favor with the master and he is a preacher of sorts and how oh, he, yeah, and how he preaches against, you know, Samuel and Elias and basically how that overbalances and upsets, you know, the, the plantation as a whole and that whole society and what happens, you know, when, <clears throat> you know, when these uh, Samuel and Elias are kind of forced to make decisions and how they affect the society as a whole. And again, I can't give a lot of information, but it is a really interesting book. And it, it does, it's fictional, but it does look at something that I never really even thought of, you know, being GL, uh, LGBT, you know, in a slave type setting like that. And again, yes. that is, yeah. And again, that is the prophet's by Robert Jones Jr. So my next pick is a book that I read last night. It was recommended to me by a good friend of mine. And once I started reading it, I absolutely could not put it down. And Natalia's not here. So I can say that I, I broke one of Natalia's cardinal rules of reading, which is that you shouldn't read a series out of order. <gasps> you read a series out of order that's criminal i know oh no don't tell natalia she will uh depose me she will <laughs> take your ipad yes 
<laughs> so this is Invitation to the Blues. It's Small Change, book two, by Roan Parrish. And I really want to read the first book in the series, but there was something really compelling about this, um, the second book. And so that's where I started. This is the story of Jude. And Jude is in his mid-30s. He is a very, very talented pianist who plays with numerous symphonies um, all over the United States and sometimes even in other countries. And he has been pretty much devoting most of his life to music, but he also suffers from really extreme depression and anxiety. And so this makes life very, very difficult for him at times. Um, before the book starts, he has a failed suicide attempt, which has caused him to leave Boston and leave his partner of five years behind. And so now he is living in Philadelphia and he's working a job. He's trying to work at his brother's like sandwich shop. And this does not go well because he absolutely hates the, the smell, the sight, the feel of food. So obviously making sandwiches is not a, a great thing for him, but he's kind of living in this limbo where he really wants to go back and play music again, but he's worried that he has sort of like messed up his chance by having this mental breakdown, you know, kind of in the public eye. And so he kind of believes that he can't really go back to Boston and he doesn't know what that looks like. What is his life <clears throat> without this music that has been such a huge part of it? So he meets a man who is um, a friend of, of his brothers, basically, to just make that a little easier to understand. And the two of them begin to have a relationship. And Jude is very hesitant about this at first. His relationships have not gone well in the past. Um, Farron is an artist. He's very, very calm, kind, intuitive, um, very passionate. And he really falls hard for Jude. But Jude isn't really sure what it would be like to be in a relationship with Farron because of all of his mental health struggles that have just been a huge part of his life since he was in high school. Um, this does have some triggers for people who struggle with depression and anxiety. And certainly um, there is some talk here of suicide. It's not graphic. Um, the suicide attempt is not on the page, but there is still references. Um, there are references that are made to it and I think it is an important part of the story. Um, Jude and Farron have this very, very nice relationship. It really did feel like a romance for adults. Like you didn't get caught up in all these misunderstandings and high angst. You know, the things that are important to Farron and Jude really do feel important because they're very personal to both of them. Um, there are no sort of manufactured conflicts to keep them apart. You know, the things that come up for them are things that would come up kind of in anybody's real life existence if these were the issues that you were dealing with. Um, there is such a lovely sense of found family here. I'm really eager to read more of Roan Parrish's work because I want to kind of see all these side characters like get their happily ever afters as well. I'm really glad that this was recommended to me because Parrish is someone whose name I've seen, you know, floating around the book world for quite a while, but I've never actually picked up one of her books. And now I'm really glad I did because I have discovered another really awesome author. So this is Invitation to the Blues, Small Change, book two, by Roan Parrish. And I will say that Small Change itself is the first book. And that is about Christopher, who is um, Jude's brother. And I read this huh. just fine out of order. Um, okay. There are a few references to things that happen in previous books, but mm -hmm. it's nothing that like interferes with the plot. I have never heard of this author before. And I'm so excited. Like my 
love for found family book yes. is so large right now that so Melissa didn't have a fourth book for us today. So that means that Amber gets I do. to do two books. I'm so excited. <laughs> so she's okay. going to talk about two books and then I will come in to finish us off for the last one. Yes. And I'm so excited. I did not plan this, but I can gush about these two books back to back. They're both found family. They're both scrumptious and you will want to read them in one sitting. So prepare yourself. So the first okay. one is, the first one is um, Widdershins. And I'll go ahead and spell that because it's kind of weird. It's W-I-D-D-E-R-S-H-I-N-S. So Widdersh- Widdershins by Jordan L. Hawk. And this is the first in a series, it's quite long. And in this first book, you meet uh, Wyborn and Griffin. So Wyborn is, so this is set in kind of an alternate America. Um, and it, it's, it's kind of weird because you don't get into a lot of detail, but the US is set up a little differently. And so Wyborn comes from a city that's probably like Boston, uh, very old, very, you know, he, he, his family is very rich, but he actually uh, defied his family and became someone who studied ancient languages. And he is working at a museum and he meets, and he's kind of a disappointment to his father and his older brother. They don't really particularly care for him. They don't really talk to him, but his mother has always supported what he does. He meets Griffin, who is a private, who is a detective. And Griffin is investigating some murders and they are done, they're being done by supernatural beings. And he asks Wyborn to translate an old Egyptian book, which will hopefully help them solve the mystery of who is doing these murders and why. And Wyborn and Griffin meet and So being gay in this time and in this place is not accepted and you can go to jail for it. Um, And it's, it's a detective, you know, it's a mystery, it's supernatural, which hits all of my buttons right there. Um, And then you have this lovely relationship between these two men who are very different, but obviously, you know, very clearly fall in love with each other. Um, You know, they're a little uncertain, Things have happened to both of them in their past, um, you know, that make having a relationship very difficult. But it's just a really lovely story about found family, about, you know, living your truth when it's not necessarily safe to do so. And also, you know, kind of going against convention to be the happiest you can be. And that book is Wittershins, Wyborn and Griffin, number one, by Jordan L. Hawk. This was recommended to me a couple of years ago, actually, when oh. I was looking for um, books for like the October episode that we do that mm-hmm, are mm-hmm. like kind of creepy. Yeah. And I never got around to reading it, um, although I really want to. You know what? I would call this very creepy. Okay. Um, I, I would like if there was one criticism of the book, the, the supernatural beings are not that scary. Um, and maybe it's because like, I, I read like really scary horror, um, but I didn't think that they were particularly scary. Maybe it gets better as I go, as you go along, but I've even read, I just finished the second book in the series and you know, they're suspenseful, but, but not necessarily scary. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Suspenseful. Yes. Scary. No, not really. Awesome. And then the last book I'm going to talk about is my absolute favorite. It is called The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Klune. So, oh my goodness, where do I even start with this? I've read it twice. I've given it five stars each time. I really would just like to 
if you if you've ever read a book and you immediately want to start it again that's this book so what i will say about this book is there is no romance um but the coming together of arthur and linus is one of the most gentle um and just lovely things i've seen in a book in a really long time so Linus Baker works for the department in charge of magical youth, Dykeley. And he is sent to this orphanage, this supernatural orphanage, to make sure that everything is being done. It's a top secret orphanage. And there are six supernatural children that live there with their caretaker, Arthur. Uh, So the... Uh, one of, so just to kind of give you an example, there is Fee, who is a sprite, and there is Lucy, who is Lucifer. He is six, and one of the most hysterically funny characters in all of literature, I think. He's so funny. Um, I'm very sad that, like, somebody named a child Lucifer. Well, that's because he's the devil. <laughs> yes, I know, but it's like, it seems I, he, weird to picture, like, well, a child. That's what makes it so funny. Um, and there is um, there is Sal, who, who when he gets really scared, he turns into a Pomeranian, which is funny because oh. he's a very large boy. Like, he's like 14 or 16. Um, there is uh, a griffin, and I'm, I'm, and I'm not remembering his name right now. And then there is Chauncey, who is a greenish blob and his greatest ambition is to become a bellhop at a uh, hotel. So it is, it is words kind of don't really do this book justice. It's all about found family. It's about how these kids just want to be kids, even though they're supernatural. It's about Linus who is, you know, at the orphanage making sure that everything is okay. It's about, Arthur, who, you know, has some secrets of his own. And it's about how they come together and form this really unique, but wonderful family. It's about differences and how they're okay. Um, It's about, gosh, I'm just, I'm just getting a little choked up just thinking about it. Um, But it, it really is about how, even though people are different and, you know, they're supernatural creatures or whatever, that it's okay to be different and there is family out there for you and you just have to keep looking and find the right people or creatures to have that family with. So it's a really lovely, um, you know, the, the, the GL, the LGBT, um, almost takes a backseat. It's there as an under, as an undercurrent through the whole book, but it's not really stressed. But at the end, it is a really big part of what happens to everyone. Um, so just a really, I read it in a day, both times that I read it. And just, it's beautiful. Again, that's The House in the Cerulean Sea by T.J. Clune. I've heard so many good things about yeah. T.J. Clune. He's oh, written, yeah. um, I want to say like Wolf Song, I think, yes. which is yeah, a yeah, romance. Yeah series um Mm -hmm. like green creek i think that series is called yeah and a lot of people really like those i've heard so many good things about this book yeah um and i mean other ones that he came out with like the extraordinaries i think it's called oh yeah i haven't read that one yet but i'm really excited too so my last pick tonight is a book that I was not sure I would like when I first picked it up. Like I was intrigued by the premise, but if you've been here for any length of time, it is no secret that ghosts are super hard for me to read about. Like I just don't like them. Oh yeah. And I love it, ghosts. <laughs> oh, see. I know. I, I, I have know. I have come to understand that some ghosts actually work really nicely in fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I still find myself cringing at the like very poor sort of lazy way in which some ghosts are made to kind of do all the characters work for them. <laughs> that really bothers me. So this is Cemetery Boys and it's by Aiden Thomas. Um, this turned out to be just so, so good with so many messages that 
you kind of absorb as you read, but it never feels like the author is trying really hard to get you to see a certain point of view. It's very effortless. And I think that's one of the things that I appreciate most about this book is that there is definitely an agenda. Like, you know what the character is striving for. You understand kind of what the author wants you to, to believe. And it's just so easy to do it because you feel like there's no pressure involved. So this is the story of Yalriel. And he is a trans boy who is part of a traditional Latinx family. And of course, his family is not really very happy with the fact that he's a boy. They have always wanted him to kind of stay, you know, the girl that, that he was born. And they want him kind of like what you were saying, Amber, um, when you were talking about becoming Eve, like they want him to fulfill certain roles that are supposed to be for girls. Because Yadriel's family are what he calls brujo, which are the sort of Latinx version of, of witches. And there are very specific tasks that men and women have in this sort of magical world. And Yadriel is determined that he is going to be a full-fledged brujo as a boy. And his family's just like, no, you're, you're a girl. You need to, you know, stay with your cousins. Like you can't do the things that men and boys do. So Yadriel has one ally who is his cousin and best friend. Her name is Maritza. And I loved her so much. She's just like the perfect sidekick and best friend. Um, she just made me really happy. And together they set out to prove that you don't have to be born a boy in order to have the magic that boys have that like your intention your identity is enough to kind of form that magic for you so one of their cousins is found dead and they don't know who killed him but Yadriel thinks that if he does this ritual, maybe he can contact the ghost of his cousin and get the answers. And that if he does this, people will finally take him seriously because they'll know that this is something that only a true brujo could have done. So he does this ritual with Maritza and he does indeed raise a ghost, but it is not the ghost of his cousin. Instead, it is the ghost of this teenage boy named Julian, who used to go to school with Yaltriel and who also died in some circumstances that we don't really understand when we first meet him. And he refuses to go back kind of across the veil. Yaltriel tries to explain, you know, I, I wasn't I wasn't looking for you. This wasn't meant to summon you. And he's kind of like, oh, well, I'm here. I'm going to now, you know, finish my business since you sort of, you know, brought me back. And slowly, slowly, Yadriel and Julian begin to form a relationship. And this is tricky for all kinds of reasons because, you know, Julian isn't alive. And so how, how is it that Yadriel is falling in love with him? And what does it mean if you are a young trans boy whose family has a really hard time respecting who you are as a person, what does it mean when you're also now um, falling in love with someone who most of the world would think doesn't really exist anymore? Um, this is a very multi-layered story. It talks about culture, about family, about identity, and sort of the ways in which we can sometimes damage ourselves by trying to fill roles that other people think that we should play and that perhaps that is not necessary. I loved the supernatural aspects of this. I thought that Thomas did a remarkable job exploring the world of, of the Brujo and how they're able to work their magic. Um, there is 
just so much to love about this, even if you're not a particularly ghost-oriented person. This is Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas, and it came out last spring. This has been on my radar forever, and I don't know why I haven't read it, because oh, it's, it's in so my wheelhouse. Yeah, it sounds really good. Um, I heard him speak at BookCon uh, last year. Uh, and it was really awesome just to kind of like hear, you know, what his inspirations were for this and how he yeah. wanted to write a positive trans character who, you know, had some struggles, but also had sort of unknown like power and abilities that he could tap into. And I think everything he set out to do just came through with, with such a success. So that brings us to the end of our Pride-related episode. Thank you to Melissa and Amber for bringing some great recommendations to hopefully get people's uh, TBR piles to be even bigger than they probably already are. Thanks, as always, goes out to Christine for all of her editing for each and every Book Bistro episode. And thank you so much to all of you who join us each week as we talk about all of the books we love. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, It kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Thank you.